TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Yo, yo, it's Chris Webby, and you are tuned into the Jake Brown Show. And welcome to the Jake Brown Show on Radio.com, iTunes, and Spotify at Jake Brown Radio and at Jake Brown Show. You can find us on social media. Joining us now is a guy for a brief time who was a member of the Pride, I guess, after the Flying Dutchman days, uh, and he is from the 203 CT. Um, if you guys know, I went to Ostra 09 to 13 and lived in Trumbull, Connecticut from 98 to 08. It's rapper Chris Webby. Webby, what's going on, man? Yo, yo. How you doing, man? Doing well. And, of course, we had to do the interview on a Wednesday. That was the only requirement for the interview because of the new album uh, Wednesday Indeed. that's out. Now you get it on iTunes, Spotify. I guess I like to say wherever music is sold, um, you yeah, can get Yeah, I even it. give it away for free on SoundCloud because, you know, at the end of the day. That's it's true. about people bumping the music, you know. Mm-hmm, exactly, and you want them showing but I up. I prefer a stream. Yeah, you know, you got to you got to go with the stream. That's where the money's at. Um, and you and you want people coming out to the shows. And I, I listen to the album. I love it, top to bottom. And what's in- interesting about your music is, I guess you're, the beats you use and the sampling that you do uh, is so unique to other rappers. Talk about that to me, and, how, and I guess with your producer and the beats that you guys put together, and how you come up with them, and how you come up with the certain samples and everything. Absolutely. I mean, sometimes it is simply a standard as I'll get a beat sent over from one of the small handful of producers that I mess with and pretty much take it as is. And they're just like, wow, this is dope. I'm going to do a song to this ASAP. A lot of times I either cherry pick a sample and bring it to them or sometimes we'll literally go and sit down with them with an idea and we'll work it out together. My main producer I've been using is JP on the track, uh, who's actually an 18-year-old kid from Connecticut who really? is just incredible. I've been working with him for a couple of years now, and he's already, you know, completely exceeded where he was when I first met him. And he's super dope. So, for example, like one of the songs, Friend Like Me, I, I one day had the genie song from Aladdin stuck in my head mm-hmm. all day. Like I was singing it out loud while I was driving. I was whistling it. Couldn't get it out of my fucking head. So mm-hmm. I went to his house, and... I basically explained to him, yo, how do we make a song out of the Genie song? How do we make this a beat? And we didn't sample it, but he recreated certain melodies and, you know, added all these his own little touches. And then I took just a little bit of flair from that with the catch line, like, you ain't never had a friend like me. And then worked around that. And, you know, that's how that particular song came to be. So there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways to go about it, but I've always had a sweet spot for samples. Mm-hmm. I, I love samples. Um a lot of my favorite songs were samples. You know, I grew up listening to Dipset and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that was very sample heavy. And uh, I think it's an important part of hip-hop that has now gotten a little crazy because, you know, the money's dried mm-hmm. up in the industry quite a bit and it gets a little harder to clear samples. Or if you don't clear samples, someone might come for your head. But, you know, hip-hop has always had samples, you, you know. And it's interesting you mention that, and you and you see it, like, with Wild Thoughts with uh, DJ Khaled sampling that uh, the Santana beat on there. Yeah. And, and you got that's something you have to clear because that's so obvious that he just completely took it. Um, absolutely, absolutely. And he, you know, 
he is on a different level of exposure by course, leaps yeah. and bounds. So, I mean, when you are an artist that big, Eminem, you know, like he's mm-hmm. got to clear everything. I try to clear everything. Sometimes, you know, if it's super obscure or whatever, you know. <laughs> I, I I can only play as fair as I can. I'm an independent artist, you know what I mean? Sometimes it, people try to hit you over the head, too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you could go ask someone to clear the sample, and they can just say no. And then you just have a song recorded. Now, has that happened to you before? Have you had experience? Yeah. Actually, it has. So, so you have songs really just in the fucking annoying. You have songs just laying around that no one's heard that you couldn't get cleared. I do have a few. I do have a huh. few. Yeah. I mean, that's what's nice about mixtapes, though. You know, but at the same time, because you can go sample crazy with mixtapes, no one's really going to give you a hard time because you're not directly profiting mm-hmm. in a sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. They can try to complicate and be like, well, if you perform these, you're generating revenue. But no one's really going to come after you for that. But at the same time, um, you know, you just, for someone to say no after you recorded a song, like the mixtape era is almost no more, you Mm -hmm. know? Nobody's really going on that pip, so it's like I don't know what to do with some of these songs now, you know? I I could Mm -hmm. put them out. Um, Or you can, like, try to reinterpolate the sample. But it's just very obnoxious. Clearing samples is a headache, especially on an independent level, because, you know, I run an independent business. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I have a guy who clears the samples, but it's really all coming out of my pocket. So, you know, pretty much everything that is done in the Chris Webby organization has to pass through me to go anywhere, um, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And it didn't used to be that way, but I had to grow up and really take the reins of my organization. Um, in order to stay alive in the changing climate, you know? And it's interesting you mentioned Friend Like Me. Uh, that song is in my head probably every day. Aladdin's my favorite movie ever. Uh, and I, I, I became friendly with the guy who played Genie in Aladdin on Broadway, James Monroe Igohart, and now he's in Hamilton. Literally the nice. only only step nice. above you could I've get from Genie. You know, I don't think I've ever seen anything you, on Broadway. You have I to see Aladdin. Lion King on my bucket list because I'm obviously a huge Lion King fan mm-hmm. as well. You have Disney to see Aladdin really now. all around. I'm a big, big Disney fan. Yeah, I mean, if you, you got to see Lion King and Aladdin. I still haven't seen Lion King just because it's so, such a tough ticket, and I'm not trying to pay uh, a ton. But those are and two it's must sees. Not going anywhere, so exactly. Yeah, uh, Chris yeah, Webby joining us. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Webby. Um, t- take me back to the Hofstra days. We talked about it a little before how that changed you. I actually was hanging hang out with a friend who also got kicked out of Hofstra after his freshman year. Um, so it made me think of you and and take us through that time and how it kind of changed the course of your career and starting to get into rap uh, back in 2009, 2008. No doubt. So, I mean, I had been rapping for a long time. I, at this point, I've been rapping about, uh, I would estimate it, 18, 19 years. You know, I, I started rapping in middle school from, like, the rap battle forums and, you know, just, like, freestyling in high school at parties and, you know, on blunt rides. It's It's always been something I've done. I used to go, you know, junior, senior year, high school, into school with like a little shoebox full of old mixtapes, you know, stuff that nobody's heard. The old stuff sounds really terrible, but, you know, just getting my footing and, and kind of figuring out who I am as an artist. So when I got to Hofstra, it was a whole new environment for me. It was a whole new group of people to impress. And, you know, there were already a bunch of people who kind of, you know, they were known as the rappers around campus. And I went in pretty aggressively with a mindset where it's like, I'm going to destroy all of them and be the one, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Which is, you know, rap's a competitive thing. Being a white rapper in that time period as well 
makes it gives you almost kind of a complex. I don't think it's like that anymore because there's so many white rappers that it's really not a. I feel like they don't go through the same intensive hatred, mm-hmm. so to speak, that I did. You know, back then it was like, oh, you ain't Eminem, you ain't Eminem, and, mm-hmm. and obviously, I'm not. The, greatest you know in my opinion of all time Mm -hmm. so to have that as the only reference point coming up and usually being in freestyle ciphers where i'm the only white guy i had to be really good and i had to be really the best if anyone was going to pay any attention to me so it gives you a bit of a complex in that sense so when i got to hopsy yeah i battled everybody who said they were rappers at all the parties within the first couple weeks i had destroyed all of them in front of groups of people that the word kind of spread around i made friends with some of them too you know Mm -hmm. there were some alliances but then there were just some straight annihilations Mm -hmm. and uh and sooner than later i was pretty much just the guy who was rapping at all the parties and it was pretty dope. I mean, like, I remember being at Dizzy's, like Dizzy Lizard. Dizzy Lizard, rest in a peace. A bar that you could get into, mm-hmm. which is insane how that even works. But, mm-hmm. you know, we were kids there, and my friends would, like, when kids would come from out of town, when some, like, local Hempstead people would be in the bar, like, they would, like, my friend, Matt Lavodi especially, like, he would kind of, like, trick people into battling me and kind of just, like, be a ringer, have them put a little money on it, and I would just destroy them, and we would buy drinks with whatever we just won, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, and you, and if you start off at nachos, you get penny beers on Wednesdays. Uh, you, yes. You kind of elevated. Yeah, it's, it started, it started right. there. Yeah, it started at nachos. Then you graduated Dizzy's. Once you graduated Dizzy's, you went to McKeeves at 19. And then after yeah. McKeeves is Bar Social, which is now like a dumpling spot or some Chinese yeah. food spot, uh, unfortunately. And, and at social the same time, as much as like I was doing this, and, and you know, at that point, my freestyle abilities were, mm-hmm. that's what I was doing all the time. So I would even go as far as saying I was probably a better straight freestyler back then than I am even right now because that's all I used to do. Mm-hmm. Like twenty four seven, and um, there were still a lot of people who didn't like me though. Mm-hmm. You know, there were still a lot of people like, "Oh, look at this fucking this clown!" You know, rapping everywhere. You know, and then I I got one of the hot sorority girls. You know, was dating her, made some people mad. So like, I, I was also I was a very uh, a very interesting person at Hofstra. You know, there was there were a lot of people who supported and were intrigued with what I was doing. There were a lot of people that hated on it. And a lot of those people who did hate it on it turned out to be, you know, supporters once they saw that I actually was following through with it and, you know, mm-hmm. making a career out of it. It's it's hard to, to convince people sometimes. People make judgments. It's just human nature. And that's been one of the biggest battles of my career as a whole, mm-hmm. you know? C- crazy times at Hofstra. And if you didn't know, I am actually a fellow rapper myself, a fellow freestyler. Uh, no n- doubt. N- none to the extent of you. And we, we made a song... Uh, called Welcome to the Hoff. It was a theme song for Hofstra. Uh, it was no the doubt. Welcome to My Hood remix. Uh, we did not get the beat cleared, and we did not collect any money. Um, but those were the glory days, and the walks to Dutch Treats, and the freestyles to Dutch Treats, and uh, Kate and Willie's uh, walking there. Um, wow, dude, you're throwing out some Classics. Names, the man. sampler. I about some of this stuff. Oh, man. It's been a long time. It's been the, a long time. Yeah, it feels like yesterday, but now it's, what, 2017, so it's been... Oh, man, it's been eight years since freshman year, uh, and it feels like yesterday. And the Kate and Willie sampler was always the go-to after yeah, a night out was. of debauchery. It yeah. was. Yep. And, uh, and parties were always getting closed off by cops at like 11 o'clock. The cops would always come uh, to frat and that's parties. What, that was one of the worst parts about it, because I feel like house parties are an essential element to a college experience. For sure, yeah. And while we did have some crazy house parties, it seemed like less and less even by the time I left, and I was only there a couple of years, because 
it almost seemed like the bars wanted the business. So they were like calling the cops on the parties and getting them shut down. So everyone ended up at the bars. So as fun as it was at first to be at the bars, it became very redundant and repetitive. Like, it's like, Oh, we're just going to go get blacked out at the bar again. And, you know, in the winter, it's cold. You end up getting Popeyes on the walk back and regretting it extensively. Like, Oh, man, the good old Popeyes. They'd grab a couple biscuits. Yeah, they would always close. The frat were closing. Like, all right, we're going to McKeeves, I guess, or we're going to social. Um, and that sucked. Yeah. And that sucked. And that was part of, like, you know, having frat houses and college houses in normal neighborhoods, mm-hmm. you know. I understand why the neighbors would get pissed off. You know, it's completely reasonable. But it, it just – it was a little dicey having having the mix of of college parties and you know just normal yeah. members of society next to them when those because some of those parties I recall were absolutely insane. Oh yeah, and and it's uh, I would always get texts now. The last couple of years I was there, uh, just someone got robbed, someone got shot on Front Street, something yeah, happened was, every it week. Was crazy because like the neighborhood obviously you know wasn't the best, mm-hmm. and you know it was just a bunch of drunk college kids walking around at night. You know, there were uh, there were some issues people ran into for sure. Chris Webby on the Jake Brown Show. The album is uh, Wednesday. It's out now. When you get compared, Chris, to uh, other rappers, I mean, people may throw out like a Mac Miller comparison. What What is your feeling when you do get a comparison? Do you find yourself like you're your own guy and you don't like it? Do you, Are you honored by it? Like what's your going through your head? Well, I mean, I think it depends. I think a Mac Miller comparison is strictly a visual one. Yeah, yeah. we're both white. Like if you listen to our music, they do sound very different. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it depends on what the uh, what the comparison is. Some of them, you know, it's not even necessarily that I would be offended. I would just be like, I don't sound like that. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just not accurate as someone who studies music and knows my music and their music. I, I don't see it. But, you know, when I do get the Eminem comparisons, for example, that's an honor because obviously, you know, he's incredible and I've taken a lot of pages out of his book in Mm -hmm. terms of forming my style, along with many other artists. So it's not like an Eminem Jack. It's just like some songs sound a little Eminem-y for sure, you know, but I've taken page out of a lot of people's books. Um, That's what being a rapper is. You you study various people when you're coming up and you, you take certain plays out of the various playbooks and form your own style, you know? So there's flashes of, of, Various different artists in, in various different songs, you know, was it's about trying to stay inspired and listening to good stuff. Mm-hmm. That's why I pretty much only listen when it comes to hip hop. I pretty much only listen to hip hop from like the late 90s, early 2000s. Like I don't listen to almost anything new. So you're not blasting Migos or anything right now? Not at all. Mm. <laughs> not at all. And, and, you know, it's not like I don't hear the songs that are extremely popular. They're pretty unavoidable. But mm-hmm. I think that me not listening to that shit keeps my style uh pure and i'm not influenced by the trends and fads i'm not interested by them first off like a lot of people you know they want to mimic what's popular in order to you know make a buck i don't care about that i want my music to be dope so it's almost like uh i explained it this way to someone the other day it's like i'm a species that evolved and is continuing to evolve on an island like I am adapting and adjusting my own way to my own setting and not being influenced by whatever's happening on the mainland. You know, like I'm like a fucking Tasmanian devil or something. <laughs> you know, there's nothing like me anywhere else because, like, I'm not, I'm not 
seeing what's going on elsewhere. I'm adapting to my own setting, and I'm, I'm choosing the music that I listen to, and it's the same stuff that's going to keep my music dope. You know, I listen to mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that's not rap, too, you know? And I think that's what makes you unique and, and your style and how you do it different. You're not talking about the chains and the club and the strippers. Yeah, because um, that shit is whack. Like, I mean, yeah. I get it, though. Everybody's People have always done that. I'm not going to write someone off because that's what they're talking about, but I will write them off if they're trash. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I'm very opinionated, and I get that that at times can be a turnoff for certain people, too. But, like, if no one speaks up and, and calls out the bullshit that's going on, it's going to perpetuate and continue. And I'm not saying I'm going to be the one to change the game, but, like, I'm one voice of many necessary voices if we want hip-hop to boomerang back in the right direction. Because a lot of the greats that really formed the hip-hop that we loved growing up are no longer active or as relevant or as good as they once were. Mm-hmm. And we need a new generation to really help it because it's going in a bad direction. And, you know, I speak out against mumble rap pretty frequently, and it's not that I hate mumble rap. It's not that I don't think there's a place for it. I used to listen to the big timers, you know, like not lyrical rap, but like you need music like that for certain settings, but it's taken over entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, I you know, when J. Cole and Kendrick are the only two quote unquote lyrical rappers that some people can name off the top of their head, we're in a we're in a weird spot in hip hop, you know, and I, I think people need to talk about, you know, like. And I have no problem offending people, where, not at all. Where do you, who do who do you think's the greatest rapper alive? I would say Eminem off his uh, accomplishments in the beginning part of his career. Mm-hmm. Did, was Eminem your biggest inspiration? Like who who inspired you to get into rap? He was. He was. Mm-hmm. There, there's no doubt about it. I mean, some of it literally is as simple as. When I was first coming up, like, no one really understood that a white dude could rap, Mm -hmm. you know? No one had ever seen it. So, like, I loved hip-hop, but I didn't think it was something that was going to be accessible to me. Seeing him and how good he was and how he broke all those barriers off of his skill set was, you know, completely eye-opening and and allowed me to be like, holy shit, I can do this too. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure there's a ton of white rappers like me who had that same epiphany at the same time who have grown into whoever they've grown into um but you know there's some other there's some other greats i mean jay-z's got to be in that conversation um and he's grown really well like he's transitioned into who he is today very smoothly Mm -hmm. um i don't like every album he's ever done but i mean there's no doubt about the fact that he's incredible and consistent you know and and funny story is my favorite song of all time is Renegade with the two of them. So. Yeah, so there you go. It doesn't get much better than that. Uh, no. Chris Webby joining us. You've, you've done a lot of collabs with people on the new album. You have one with Justina Valentine, who I've had on the show before. Um, oh, dope. Obviously, easy on the eyes, Justina. And now she's uh, she's killing it with uh, Wild and Out. Um, who are some of the best collabs and the best artists that you've worked with throughout your career? I mean, I've worked with some legends which is very cool. Um, you know, I have a track with Prodigy, R.I.P. Got a track with Method Man, Bun B, um, Tech Nine, which mm-hmm. for me was really huge as an independent artist. And then for that track, you know, he's on my album, Chemically Imbalanced, for that track to lead to him asking me to go on tour with him and being his main opener on a 50-city tour. You know, I, I would say Tech Nine is also one of my biggest influences 
for different reasons, um, but another incredibly consistent. And his career path is just so impressive and uh, inspiring to me. You know, he, he is the total product of just don't give up. If you have a fan base, just keep fucking going, and people will recognize eventually. You know? Yeah. And if people don't, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Tech Nine's still making a shitload of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tech Nine goes He's hard. Like, he goes to oh, show man. that you don't need everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, take us through, Chris, the the independent route. Is it like more difficult, the, the pros and the cons of uh, not joining a label? Now, I think I am so hard headed and stubborn that mm-hmm. I don't know if I would ever fit in well with a label. I'm so uninterested in what the trends and, and, you know, current patterns are in music that I would never fit in on a label, as I was saying before. You know, they want a hit. I'm not concerned with a hit. There were points in my career where I, I, I was trying to have a hit, but, you know, it never was my main goal. Now I really don't give a fuck mm-hmm. because I don't need that. That will not define me. I'd rather have a, uh, you know, a consistent body of work and have my fans and make sure that they're happy because if they're not happy, then I'm fucked. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, the independent route is extremely difficult. It's extremely frustrating. It's extremely disappointing. It, it, there are so many times where you literally, like I have, I try to explain it to people, but like, you know, this career path that I chose, is full of some of the highest highs because, when you do, when the stars do align and you have one of those moments, you know that you earned it yourself. Mm-hmm. But the lows are deep. Um, it, it can be very frustrating to put in so much work, to have so many people say that your music is so much better than all of this stuff that's extremely popular and still not get the recognition, not even half of the recognition that you think you deserve, you know? the reinvesting of the money Mm -hmm. you know like i make a good amount of money but running an independent rap career is extremely expensive and you know i have to reinvest all the time like constantly like the majority of what comes in goes back out um still you know and i'm hoping that it kind of like passes that hump this year and i believe it will with all the projections that we're making Mm -hmm. but it's still been at a point where it's like a lot of what comes in goes like directly back out or I no longer am trying to compete with the big dudes and, you know, make these crazy visuals and, you know, put all this time and energy into the music and the promotion of the music. And I could sit on more money and, and, you know, buy a house, buy a car, whatever. I mean, I have a car, but you know, I could buy a new one, but that's not important to me. You know, what's important to me is my legacy and I think that used to be important to a lot of rappers, and I feel like legacy and integrity have really fallen on the list of what's important to MCs in the game today. Yeah, and I think it's important you talked about not worrying about making a hit and making the song that's going to end up on the radio and, and being loyal to your fan base. I think you have a unique fan base and a loyal fan base, uh, especially in Connecticut. Like, does part of you feel like you kind of got Connecticut on your shoulders? Because, I, I mean, I lived there. I have a lot of friends there. I have a lot of friends who listen to you as well. Um, and, I mean, I feel like you got the state on your back, man. Yeah, I mean, there, it's been that way for a bit. Not to say that there are other, aren't other artists in Connecticut that are super dope. There's not many, though, ones that we've heard, heard not of. Not many, and I've been very vocal about Connecticut in particular. So while there may be certain other artists from Connecticut, I've been extremely vocal about representing Connecticut. You know, like, I, I have it tattooed across my chest. I have 203 tattooed down my rib cage. I mention Connecticut frequently in music. So 
people from other parts of the country that know nothing about Connecticut. Some people don't even know it's a state. Mm-hmm. Um, they associate Chris Webby with Connecticut first and foremost, you know. So it, it is crazy, and I do have this huge fan base here. I mean, I've been doing uh, the Toad's Play show every Black Friday, and it's, you know, it's sold out every year and, you know, reminds me of the hometown support that I have. But at the same time, I would say there's no state where I have more hate against me as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a real mixed bag in Connecticut. Obviously, there is the support, but there's a lot of jealousy and, you know, there's certain other hip-hop artists in Connecticut that feel like I am misrepresenting Connecticut because of where I'm from, being from the more suburban side of things. And, and giving well, it's, it's my jealousy, point of view, yeah. which, you know, I keep it very real to what my life is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just do the only thing that I know how to do. You know, I'm not trying to be anybody that I'm not. I rap exceptionally well, in my personal opinion. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are still some people who, you know, the problem is I have a lot of songs. I've been around for a long time. People could have made their judgment about me at any point in my career by hearing one song. And I'm not saying every song I've ever made was good. Mm-hmm. So that opinion will stay the same opinion until they actually sit down and listen to a newer Chris Webby project. And a lot of people don't want to do that. They have me written off in their head already. So until we literally force it down their throat and put something out that people are absolutely forced to listen to, a lot of people's opinions will remain the same. But with this new project, I've been seeing a lot of people tweet and comment and say, you know, I used to think you were something that you have just proven that you're not, you know? Yeah, and it's 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 showing. I mean, it was on the top five rap uh, iTunes charts for albums, which is very impressive. Yeah, um, and I'm sure you're proud of that. A couple more minutes with Chris Webby. Where, where do you see yourself in your like? Where are you at in your career right now? It's been about a decade since you started this. Uh, where do you like? Is there a position you see yourself at right now? I think this year was the beginning of my second go at all of this. Um, hmm. In the end of 2015, I ended up splitting with management. The behind-the-scenes part of my career was in absolute shambles, and I realized that I had to really change the way I was living. And it wasn't about the party. The party needs to stop, and it needs to get serious because I do love hip-hop. But I got a little carried away with myself. You know, any kid who reaches some sort of success on that first go-around, you're going to get a little carried away and, and be having a good time. I was always consistent with the music, but I realized that I had to really buckle down. And this year, I would say, is the beginning of Chris Webby 2.0. This is the beginning of people really recognizing me as the lyricist that I am, as the like intelligent member of society that I am. Um, and, you know, I got an opinion. And I also, you know, I used to have a manager who would oftentimes tell me, hey, like, don't, maybe, maybe don't say that, you know, maybe, maybe don't talk about that guy or this guy. I don't have that manager anymore. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to talk about people. I'm going to talk about politicians. I'm going to talk about MCs that I don't like. I'm going to talk about anybody that I feel like talking about if I think that they deserve to be talked about in a negative light. And I think that people need voices like that, the Michael Rappaports of the world, Mm -hmm. you know, like people who will just say what needs to be said. And I have an interesting way of doing it where I can make it part of a musical production and that gives a little extra punch to it. So I think people are going to see me for who I always have been, 
going forward, I just didn't do the best way of displaying it, and that's on me, you know? Yeah, that's that's interesting. You you said this last year was kind of like part two. Uh, it's an interesting way to look a look around it i mean it's been nine ten years um and yeah and, t- and you're talking about the roasting guys i mean raw thoughts one and two i mean oh my goodness yeah i mean uh, Ke- kevin spacey's in his grave right now just rolling over <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man that, that I mean, one was yeah, rough <laughs> it, that is honestly fun for me too because you know to double back on what we were talking about before how when i first got to hopster and battling people i realized that i'm not a battle rapper like that is a completely different type of thing those mm-hmm. people memorize, you know, upwards of 10 minutes of bars and spit them a cappella at an opponent while another opponent battles them. And it's very high anxiety. And I realized that I wasn't really cut out for that. Um, But I do realize that my foray with that style has given me the ability to be able to shit on people in a very, like, comical... Mm -hmm. I watch a lot of battle rap, you know? Like, I love it. And I think I'll be able to incorporate it in my own ways and, and kind of use it as the voice of morality in, you know, the general conversation of humanity, <laughs> which, mm-hmm. you know, not to say like, oh, I'm I'm going to save everything with my voice, but like, I'm going to talk some shit and some people have it coming, you know? What what are your, yeah, I hear you there. What are, you, what are your interests, especially today, and everyone's roasting Trump left and right, it's just too easy at this point and Clinton and everything. So uh, <laughs> the... Um, at this point, I mean, what else are you interested in? What else do you see yourself doing uh, when rap is done? What what interests you? Man, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. But I think uh, I think I'm going to excel as an older rapper more than I did as a younger one, which is usually flip flops. Hmm. Usually, an artist in their 20s loses it by the time they're in their 30s because their style was young and it doesn't transition well into maturity. I think I'm going to do better as a mature rapper, and I'm not saying that it will last forever because being a rapper does not make you a member of the Rolling Stones. We are not going to be touring in our 60s. Maybe some of us, but it's a young man's sport. But you can ride it out through your 30s, and I think my style and everything that I'm doing and saying is going to translate a lot better now that I've matured as well. So I think, you know, I think I still got a long stretch ahead of me hip-hop-wise, and, you know, I'd love to get into acting. Um, hmm. I'd, love to, I'd love to do a lot of shit. I, I want to do a lot of environmental uh, work as well. You know, I, I, I'm with this company, 1% for the Planet, that donates 1% of my annual earnings to environmental causes. So this year I did that and added some extra money on because, you know, I'm passionate about the environment in general. And I donated to rangers in East Africa who protect, you know, the elephants, rhinos, lions, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they reached out. I actually have a call with them today. And, you know, they were talking about bringing me out to Africa. I would like that's my passion Hmm. deeper than hip hop. That's what I cared about before I even discovered what hip hop was. I was the kid who I would see a forest get cut down next to my old condo in Norwalk and be like, who decided to cut this forest down? I wish I could find them and cut off their balls. That's a direct quote from a six-year-old Chris Webby. That's how passionate I am about just nature, the animals, and, and how twisted and fucked up humanity is and how much we destroy everything we touch. And I think there isn't a voice for that in hip-hop. But even beyond hip hop, that's something I see myself doing for the rest of my days. You know, I hear you. That's that's interesting. That's unique. Wednesdays Wednesday is out now on iTunes, Spotify. Go get it. Chris Webby at Chris Webby on Twitter. Now you're you're going to be in Australia coming up, correct? Yes, 
Yes, very soon. And on the environmental side, dude, I'm so psyched to see kangaroos and koalas and whatnot for the first time. Like, this is going to be dope. Do you- I'm very excited. It's my first time really touring overseas, too, which is crazy. You know, I've toured Canada, and I've done the U.S. more mm-hmm. times than I could count. But I've never, definitely never been to Australia. Do you plan on, uh, are you doing a tour here in New York, Connecticut soon? Um, I did towards the end of the year. I did like a little East Coast run and I did a little Midwest run last year. But I'll definitely be doing another U.S. tour this year. Just trying to figure out the best way to go about it because I've toured myself many times. Mm -hmm. I know what I can do. I know who I can bring out. You know, new people come every time. But at the same time, I'd love to partner up with another MC, you know, and, and split the pot, you know, and split the fans. You did a show with Justina, right, at one point? Oh, yeah. She's, I brought her out uh, opening for me, you know, several years ago, and then I actually just brought her out on this past tour mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, she, Justine is the shit. She, I, I've she's been dope. close yeah. with her for a long time. She's on the project. Uh, she did some background vocals on some of the songs, too. Like, she's she's a homie. She goes, I'm just a weirdo. She's got that... Uh... That, that voice through the redhead as well. Chris Webby, uh, Hofstra, CT. Appreciate you coming on the show, man. And uh, when you come to New York, I'll definitely be coming out. No doubt, man. I'll see you there. All right, man. Take care. Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.